Yo, yo, what up everyone? This is your life coach, Jacob Sokol, and welcome to WTF Should I Do With My Life? You're about to access a roadmap specifically designed for people in our generation, like you and me, who are looking to figure out how to create a life filled with happiness, success, and a deep sense of purpose, while simultaneously dealing with the challenges of today. Michael Bungay Stainer is the author of Do More Great Work and the founder and senior partner of Box of Crayons, a company that helps organizations do less good work and more great work. In this interview, we're going to dive deep into what great work is and how you can do more of it. We're going to talk about how you can do great work while honoring your financial responsibilities, the inevitable challenges you'll face along the great work way and how to deal with them, plus an action step you can take right now to do more great work. Hey, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Totally happy to be here. Thanks, Jacob. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to get some of your wisdom in front of young adults and see how they can apply some of it into their life. But before we jump right into the book that you wrote and and that such goodness, I'd, I'd love to hear a bit more about your story and some of the challenges that you faced as a young adult. Sure. So um, I'm now 40, uh, 44, 45, somewhere in those mid-40s. At a certain point, it just becomes vague. You're more than 40, you're less than 50. So that's where I'm floating around at the moment. So I'm uh, Australian by birth. Um, uh, grew up there, went to high school there, went to university there, did um, an English degree and also a law degree in Australia. Um, managed to win a road scholarship that took me from Australia to England, which was awesome because it stopped me becoming a lawyer because I'd have been a fat, depressed, largely useless lawyer. So that was a good thing. And the second thing is I, when I arrived in England, um, I met the woman who has now been my wife for 20 years. Um, so uh, mainly Oxford for me was um, shacking up with Marcella and and having fun there and also trying to study as well. I did a master's degree there. So when I finally crawled out of university after too many years, um, I've had uh, probably three main uh, jobs. I spent a number of years working for an innovation and creativity company, my first job. Um, And I know for lots of people listening, that whole experience of moving into the workforce and going, what does that mean? What is that like is such a big thing. And um, I've got some points of view around that. Um, I then moved from the world of innovation and creativity into the world of management consulting, helping big companies go through changes. Um, At this stage, I'd moved from England over to the States. I was living and working in Boston. And then about 10 years ago, I moved from Boston um, up to Toronto, which is where I now live. And uh, shortly after getting to Toronto, set up Box of Crayons, the name of my company. And um, we spent... um, you know, a number of years of box of crayons, basically doing anything that came our way. My my philosophy was, if it has a pulse and a wallet, I'll probably up for it. Um, and uh, but in the last six or seven years, we've had a real focus around helping people and organisations do less good work and more great work. And I know that's one of the topics we'll probably touch on a bit as well. So there, there in like two breaths is my life journey. Missing out all sorts of interesting things like being banned from my high school reunion, um, being sued by one of my law lecturers for defamation, being fired from numerous jobs for not understanding it or being incompetent or just having a maniac homicidal boss, 
So there's all sorts, you know, <laughs> when you hear people tell their story, they go, here are the highlights. And in some ways, the, 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 the lowlights are often the more interesting part. Yeah, well, I'd love to go into some of those lowlights and hear more about perhaps yeah. the challenges that you faced throughout your journey and, and how you were able to deal with those. Is there, is, there, is there something in particular that kind of grabbed your fancy in, in that story? Where would you like to start? Yeah, well, you said moving into the workforce was a, a particular thing that um, we, could, we could potentially speak on and kind of what some of the challenges are of coming out of university and, and going into the workforce and just being this entirely new reality of, holy crap, this is not anything <laughs> that I've ever experienced or expected. So how, do, how can we deal with some of those challenges? Right. I mean, it's like, wait, does this mean I have to show up at 8.30 again tomorrow? What's going on with that? <laughs> right? So and how do I fit in know, all the drinking? Yeah. Right. Or just, how, you know, where do I get the right, do I, how do I fit in my life? <laughs> right? When yeah. um, uh, so I think that's one, of the, uh, that's one of those key transition points. I mean, whether you're coming from university or coming from high school or where, whatever, that moment where you go, I'm now... I'm now working to earn a living is um, a, a really interesting transition point. And um, in many ways, if you're coming from school, you're coming from a sense of, at least I came from a sense of, and I think there's a certain amount of universal truth to this, going, God, I've been working really hard and it's difficult to get these essays in on time and do my exams and kind of your level of, your world and your level of anxiety is kind of focused on that. And, um, and you've also spent a number of years being trained to kind of game the system. Like, I'm, I'm here to try and get good marks. I'm here to try and get my degree. I'm here to try and set myself up for my first job. So there's all sorts of hoops that you get, you know, good at or fairly proficient at, at kind of jumping over and jumping through. And I think one of the things that shows up when you um, go to work is there's a whole lot less structure around how am I getting measured and what really matters and how do I find my own, my own way here. So I think often one of the, the challenges in that transition to work is, is learning a new system where the, where the rules are different and the rules have changed. Um, and actually suddenly you're not as good as you thought you were. Does that make sense, yep. Jacob, to you? Yeah, so it sounds like we've been, we've been trained and we've been operating in this one particular way that the educational system works, and we've um, been focused and goal-oriented in, in kind of gaming the system to achieve those results, and then we get thrown into this world where we need to, to work to earn a living, and it's, holy crap, this is an entire new system, and without some specific guidance and some tools and perhaps coaches and mentors available to, to help us see how that works, it can be daunting. It can be, you know, terrifying. I mean, when, when I, don't, I don't know enough about you and your journey, but when you finished being educated and you started working, what, what for you was the experience like? What did, you, what did you notice was difficult or challenging? Um, yeah, well, I'd, I'd like to think that I'm not done being educated. I know what you, what you mean by that. I'm, I'm taking that in a uh, sure. lifelong education learner forever. But, yeah, yeah, yeah so sure. for me... I think that, well, one of the big challenges was I was just, 
uh, I had graduated college. I went to college for graphic design, and I had, did no passion for graphic design. So it was the irony was after I graduated, I, I got a job um, waiting tables at a sports bar for a while, and then I ended up getting a, a gig doing IT, um, doing IT work. And I was super passionate about this extremely technical thing and the creative thing that I had gone to school for. I really didn't have much passion around it. So I. I I think um, as, I, as I went into this job, it was really cool because I, I got to be in a new environment where um, it, it expanded my sense of reality. All of a sudden, I went from working as a waiter kind of serving drunks who were watching sports games, which was totally cool at the time, to consulting or, or fixing people's computers who were dealing with millions and millions and millions of dollars. So for me, that was cool. I, I think the biggest challenge that uh, I had was it was more of an existential crisis uh, after right. the initial after the initial fun of holy crap I get to do all these new th new things with techie toys and have fun with computers and blackberries at the time right. you know they were black they were blackberries so I think that the passion the the trouble for me was more of an existential crisis of okay I'm making this amount of money but where is the meaning? Where is the purpose? And it can, will I ever have meaning or purpose in my life? I, I didn't know that there was another option besides that lifestyle of nine to nine in yeah. the morning till eight at night, actually. Um, so for so, me, that was a big challenge. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting you point to that because I think the the danger when you, I think you move into work, you have two you have two challenges. Either you have an existential crisis or you don't have an existential crisis. And both of them can be difficult, right? Because if you're not... One of, one of the things that happens, I think, very fast in work and in specific places that you work is that you become acculturated. You know, the first time you arrive, you're like, what, what is going on here? Why are people behaving like that or speaking this language or running meetings in this way or making decisions like this or valuing valuing you know this thing rather than that thing and that you spend the first time going what the hell is going on here and then yeah. suddenly you find yourself being one of those people where you go I get it I understand mm -hmm. how it works I understand how to work the system I understand how to play the system and it can be very easy for you to just go I found my little my little nook and cranny and <clears throat> on the one hand that is a comfortable place to be and can serve you well for a while um, and at the same time, one of the things that that can diminish is your sense of hunger or restlessness or sense of purpose. Because there is a, there is a saying, um, and this, this is something that I think probably, you know, lots of folks listening to this may, you know, you get to look forward to this. Um, it's a, a, a guy from, called Robert Bly, a poet, um, and he says this, when a man reaches 35, and I actually think it's not, you know, he's writing about men, but I think it, this can apply in some way to, to many ways to women as well. But when a man reaches 35, he suddenly realizes his life isn't working. Because what happens is we kind of get out of school, I think, you know, 17, 16, 17, 18, 22, whatever, whatever it is for you. And you go, okay, I think I know what, what's, what the next phase of life is, and it looks kind of like this. And then you hit 35 and you go, look at this, I have got a house, I've got a family, I've got a car, I've got a job, I've got debt, I've got commitments, I've got all this stuff, which is what lots of people around you have. But part of you may be going, 
do I want this or do I not want this? And there are, there are punishments and prizes to the examined life and the unexamined life. Right? So one, one of your choices is to go, you know what, let's not think too hard about this. Let's just carry on and just work it and you know, work my job, work my, get promoted several times, get a nice salary at a certain point, have kids do all that sort of stuff, which is great, and that can be a very pleasant way of living, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what you may be missing out on is a sense of exploring your potential, connecting to your passion, having a greater impact in the world, those kind of bigger pictures. Or the other option is to have an examined life where you go, what am I doing and why am I doing this and is this enough and do I stay restless and do I stay hungry and what does that look like and what risk will I take and what will I give up and what will I turn down and how will I be weird? Um, mm -hmm. And when you do that, what that comes with is a sense of um, uh, anxiety and guilt and uncertainty, but also freedom and adventure and potential. Um, and I think uh, you know, either one of those choices is difficult, <laughs> and either one can be uh, have its advantages and its disadvantages. What I hope is that people um, uh, and I suspect the people who are listening to this conversation, Jacob, are the people who will do this. They actually just go, how do I keep these choices in front of me rather than waking up and going, God, I'm 35. What, what, what happened to the last 10, 15, 20 years of my life? So how do we be proactive in a sense and not wait until we're 35 to say, oh crap, the gas tank is full and the white picket fence is up and Lassie is running at me and barking, but what do I, what do, I do now? Kind of, I've got it all. Just to be clear, there's nothing wrong with that as a life, as long as that's the life you've chosen and that's the life that truly makes you happy. But many of us go, I think that's the life I should be having rather than that's the life I want. So I, I just, it just it needs to be said that this isn't meant to go anybody who has a family and a white picket fence and a car is somehow living a, a less than great life. It's not about that. It's about making the choices. Well, I, yep. so back to your question, which is like, how do you do that? Which is like, there well, are... Well, like, well, I, yeah, yeah, so it would be at this point, you know, so the, the, um, the majority of people who are listening to this conversation aren't yet at that age. So what can we do to make sure that when we get to that age, that we are in a position that we're comfortable, whether it's with that picket fence right. or without it. The, the, the good news is there's about 75,000 different things that you can do. Um, the bad news is none of them work perfectly. The good news yeah. is they're all part, because it's one of those, and sorry for this hoary cliche, it's like, you know what, you, you walk the path and you just stay conscious that you're walking the path. So you can hire coaches, you can read books, you can follow blogs, you can listen to podcasts, you can run podcasts, you can create a mastermind group and a brain trust where your job is to kick each other in the butt and go, what the hell are you doing with your life? You, know, you can go on a retreat, you can write a book, you can resign from your job and go, I'm just going to go traveling for a year. You can do a thousand, thousand things. Um, the, um, but in some ways it comes down to a willingness to sit with this fundamental question. Uh, probably two questions. 
actually, yeah, two questions that seem to follow on from each other. Um, knowing who I am now as best I do, and taking my best guess for where I am now, knowing that it's only ever going to be a guess because no, nobody has all the information, what do I want? Hmm. And so just knowing, yeah. and let me ask the second question, which is, and if this is what I want, and it's only my best guess, but it's my best guess, if that's what I want, what do I need to say yes to? And what do I need to say no to that might move me closer to what I want? Knowing that, making that choice, you may get it wrong. You know, you may get to there and you go, actually, I don't want this at all. <laughs> this is the last thing I want. It just seemed good when I made the choice. But then you go, okay, so if I don't want this, now what do I want? Yeah. So just to be clear, so it would be, in a sense, the, the two questions would be, the first part would be, who, who, who am I? What do I know about myself right now? And based on that information, what do I want? And then the follow-up to that would be, and what do I need to say yes to or what do I need to say no to in order to achieve what it is that I want? Is that right? And, and yeah, so what do I want? And if, and if that's what I want, what do I need to say yes to and what do I need to say no to? And... What I, what I hope for people is they go, no, really, what's the bold thing you need to say yes to? What's the courageous thing you need to say yes to? And then, and this is the trickier one for most of us, what do I truly need to say no to? You know, what I, I'm going to say no to my parents being happy about all the choices I make in my life. Because you know what? I'm not going to buy a house or I'm not going to have kids or I'm not going to have a stable job you know, a regular paycheck type thing. You know, I'm going to say no to building a solid pension fund, you know, through my employee contributing to it because I'm saying yes to five years of exploring different options before I make a commitment to the work, my next work path. I'm going to say no to turning down work I could be doing for a certain amount of money so I can truly say yes to writing the book that I need to write. You know, there are difficult choices to make. And um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the true art of being an adult, and, and being an adult has no correlation to how old you are. It has a correlation to how you show up in this world, I think. One of the true arts of being an adult is uh, being recognizing that in every moment you're making a choice and taking full ownership of what those choices are and making the boldest possible choice. And of course, sometimes yeah. the boldest possible choice is to do nothing or to play it safe or not to take that gamble. Being the boldest choice doesn't mean the boldest action. It means the boldest choice. I feel like you I'm a differentiate? bit of a <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm interested and I'm I'm appreciating your stream of consciousness. So I didn't want to jump in and and go to a different yeah. direction, but I th I think that's a really cool thing. So can you can you differentiate between what the last part you just said, which was the yeah. making the boldest choice? So, um, here's an example, right? Yep. I, I have two I have two paths ahead of me in terms of work I could do. One is. Um, I could go off with my mates and start a uh, begin a startup. The other is 
I could apprentice myself and work in a more lowly, humble position, becoming more masterful of this particular skill. In, on many criteria, you could look at the, well, the startup is the bold action. It's glamorous, it's independent, it's taking a stand. And the apprenticeship, for want of a better word, is a less bold choice, uh, a less bold action. But the bold choice, because you know what you want, might be to actually follow the apprenticeship hmm. role. You know, take the choice that is less glamorous, less whatever, but because it's the bolder choice because you've got a sense of why you're making those choices. Yep. Does that help make it clear? Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's an awesome distinction. And I want to transition a little bit into the latest book that you wrote, which is Do More Great Work. So can you hmm. tell us a bit about what great work is and um, how that differs from bad work and good work? Yeah, sure. So this, this is a book that came out about two years ago now. Um, and here's a very simple model that underlies the 15 exercises that are in the book because you know I wrote it, Jacob, not hopefully designed not as one of those books where you go, somebody's got, had an idea in the first chapter and then stretched it out over 200 pages to turn it into a book. It's actually <laughs> much more of a, a series of exercises to help you find and articulate and start and sustain your great work. So here's what I mean by these three different types of work. First type of work is bad work. Bad work is um, kind of that mind-numbing, heart-crushing, life-sucking work that you know means nothing to you, seems to add no value, and basically is truly a waste of your life and your time and your energy and your breath. It's bad work. Good work is the comfortable, familiar, getting stuff done, doing things type of work. If you're in a job, it's, it's basically your job description. So it's important, it has its place, but good work is uh, ubiquitous, you know, it kind of fills up time and space, it's kind of consuming, and it also keeps you stuck in a bit of a comfortable rut. You know, you get better and better at doing it, and it's less and less you being on the edge of who you are as you continue to cycle through the good work that needs to be done. And then there's great work, and great work is the work that has meaning and makes a difference. It's the work that you know, you're most proud of, that you boast about, that you go, this is kind of why I signed up for this role in the first place. And for me, each of us have a different understanding or a different articulation of what our own bad, good, and great work might be. Um, you know, uh, there have been times in my life when coaching people has been my great work. It's been edgy, it's been difficult, it's been challenging, it's been important, it's been meaningful for me. I would now look at coaching, which I really don't do very much of, is good work because it's become more familiar, more comfortable, more routine for me. Um, and I have my own uh, great work that I'm, I'm striving to do now. So the question for me and, and I hope others take on is going, what's the best mix between good work and great work for you and your life at the moment? It's not about giving up good work. It's about finding the right combination between good work and great work. And some years are years where we go, this is about a great work year. It's all about doing this. Some years may be more about, this is about good work and being productive and getting stuff done. 
but really the, 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 the question to keep asking yourself is, when I look at the stuff that I do during my day, at work, beyond work, do I have the right mix between comfortable, familiar, getting stuff done work and challenging, provocative, meaning, meaningful, difficult work that really makes a difference? And when I ask people this question around the world, the majority of people go, I don't have enough great work. So the question for me is, knowing that, how do you find, how do you do more great work? Yeah, so how, how do we do more great work? Thank you for asking my next question for me. As you can guess, it's not, it's not a single, quick, simple answer. Um, yeah. Although, it, 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 actually, it is a simple, quick answer which is like figure out what the great work is and do that and don't do the other stuff, right? That's the, that's the glib, fast, easy answer. It comes down to that same thing we were talking about before, which is what you want and knowing that, what will you say yes to and what will you say no to? So that's, that's that why this is at the heart. Those two big, big, big questions are at the heart of what we're talking about. But, you know, I, I think the, the way we talk about this is we say great work requires three things. It requires focus and courage and resilience so you need focus you need focus in two ways you need to have focus to get clear about who you are and what matters to you great work is a, a subjective measure it's about what's the work that lights you up so unless you're clear about what does matter to you and what does connect with your values and your skills and what you think is important it's very hard to find what your great work might be so that's kind of if you like part one of focus. Part two of focus is looking around you and your life right now and going, where are there opportunities to do great work? You know, and they may be opportunities that are in stuff that you're already doing. So, you know, Jacob, you could say, you know, this, this series of podcasts might be for you good work, but you might look at them and go, actually, I'm going to take this whole idea of truly supporting and engaging young adults um, and taking that to a whole other level, and that may become your great work. Right? So it's about where is there opportunity now? And there's also where might there be new projects or new opportunities for you? So that's the second part of focus, which is where can you find the opportunities to do great work? And I do think that you know, one of the places we often find great work is in the seeds of our good work. Often what we, we're currently doing is good work can be escalated up to great work. So focus is one part of it, Jacob. Second part is courage. And that's the willingness to actually start and do great work. It's one thing to know what your great work is. It's another thing to actually go, right, I'm going to try some stuff out here. I'm going to take the first step. Because one of the things that happens with great work is that it creates resistance from people around you. It's one of the ironies that, you know, one of the ways you know you're on the right path is you, you've somewhere, somehow you pissed somebody off. Somebody's disappointed or let down or confused or angry or whatever it might be because you're making choices. You've said yes to something and you've said no to something else. So that's the second component part. And then the third component part is resilience. And by resilience, I mean a willingness to keep going, you know, because when you're doing great work, you're often stepping into the unknown, stepping into uncertainty, stepping into a place that challenges who you are and what you can do and what you think matters. 
and there are times there are times when it's awesome. There's times when you're in that kind of flow state where you know you're, you're totally lit up and excited and you know, thrilled about what you're doing. And there are other times where you are doubtful and you kind of want to give up because it's hard and it's difficult and you know you've lost your way a bit. And resilience is a willingness to keep going, to, to decide to stand up again and take the next step, even though a big part of you wants to lie down. So focus, courage, and resilience are the three kind of core characteristics of self that help get you to do more great work. Yeah, as you were speaking, one of the ideas, uh, questions that were, was coming to mind uh, before you clarified was, in order to do great work, do we need to be scared? Do we need to be afraid in some way? And I think as you spoke about courage, um, perhaps that, that, that does include a bit of being afraid and courage is, you know, over, moving yeah. forward in the face of fear anyway and, uh, right. and pissing your parents off. Uh, you know, Gloria Steinem said, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. And I, I know, like, in my own life, that's been a, a tremendous uh, nugget of wisdom, you know, and as everybody in my family, don't do it, you're out of your mind. Like, when, when I left my job, people say, how did you do it? You know, what, what were the, what, how did you deal with family, and um, how did they take it? And I said, they, they didn't take it. They met me with violent opposition, like, no, you cannot do this. We'll disown you. You'll have to give up your last name of the family. And I'm being right. facetious here. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but, but yeah, it was, it was exactly that. Yeah. Yeah, but not my much, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so it totally resonates, and, and I want to appreciate you, and thank you for sharing that. I'm excited to have this recorded, and people can go back and play it again and really take notes on those three characteristics and what each of them entail and, and reference them throughout their journey because um, I just, as you're speaking, I feel those pieces that you were speaking about fit into the, to the picture of my own journey, and I imagine that's a universal journey for everybody. Um, so thank you. And as we kind of wrap this up, I'd, I'd love to leave young adults with an action step that we can take right now that will help us um, just start doing more great work. So whether it's one of the exercises from your books or just an overall piece of wisdom yeah. you can encourage us to take just as this call ends, they, something they can go do right now. Yeah. Possibly the easiest thing to, to do right now might be this. Um, it's a simple exercise. It's actually the first exercise from the Do More Great Work book. And it's, a, it's an easy one. You, you need a sheet of paper and a pen, uh, a blank, uh, you know, a new sheet of paper if you've been taking notes as you've been listening to this. And all I'm going to ask you to do is draw a, a big circle filling up the page. And what I'm going to ask you to do now is, remembering the definitions of bad work, good work, and great work that Jacob and I talked about, what I want you to do is divide that circle into three segments that represent how much bad work, how much good work, and how much great work you're currently doing. And I'd like you to write down, as you divide that into kind of three big pie slices, write down an example of each type of work for you. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure some of you are doing this, some of you are listening to it. I'll, I'll tell you what I find having asked lots of people to do this exercise over the years, most people say they've got between 0 and 25% great work. They've got between 10 and 40% bad work. And the rest, which is typically 40 to 80%, is their good work. And 
know that this percentage for you will change you know year in and year out it's different and also know that your ideal mix is different for you personally and it's different for you personally from year to year so you know what might be what you're striving for this year which is let's say 30% great work and 70% good work uh, next year maybe 20% good work great work and 80% good work or, or you know, some other different number but the question to ask yourself is do I, am I doing enough great work? You know, am I, am I doing enough great work here? And um, I think understanding where you are now and where the gap is, is often the catalyst for change, the catalyst for behavior shift. So this might be the easiest place to start, which is understand what's happening now and whether you're up for making any changes or not. Michael, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today and sharing your wisdom. Appreciate it and all the work that you've done in order to become the person you are and show up how you do. So thanks again. It's, uh, it's an honor. A pleasure, Jacob. Thanks for having me on the call. And let me just say one other thing very quickly. Uh, at, a, at the website, boxofcrayons.biz, there's a ton of free resources around great work that people are more than welcome to come in and kind of pillage. You can download templates and e-courses and interviews and you know, there's a bunch of little movies. So feel free to grab whatever you want there. It's all free. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. Thanks, Jacob. So let's take a look at some of my favorite big ideas from this interview. Big idea number one, live and examine life or don't. It's up to you. There's two big options here. The first is, don't think so much about it. Work your way up the corporate ladder, have a nice house with the white picket fence and all that good stuff. But you might miss out on exploring your potential and what you can give to the world. The other option is living the examined life and asking yourself, what are you doing and why? This life doesn't come without challenge though. It comes with anxiety, guilt, and uncertainty, which I know firsthand, and also comes with freedom, adventure, and potential, which I also know firsthand. Now, both of these have advantages and disadvantages, so just make sure that the one that you're choosing is the one that you really want, not the one that you think you're supposed to make. There's two fundamental things that you want to get clear on when you're making this choice. The first is, who am I and what do I know about myself right now in this moment? And based on that, what do I want? And the second thing we want to get clear on is, what do I need to say yes to and what do I need to say no to in order to achieve what I want? That brings us to the next big idea, number two, saying yes and saying no. All right, so you've thought about who you are and what you want. Now, what's the bold choice that you need to say yes to and what do you truly need to say no to? An important part of this is recognizing that in every moment you're making a choice. Sometimes the bold choice isn't the boldest action. Sometimes it means playing it safe, taking a step back, or choosing the less glamorous option. Just know why you're making the choice you're making. And that brings us to big idea number three, bad, good, and great work. So what's the difference between those three? Well, bad work is mind-numbing, soul-crushing, life-sucking kind of work. The kind that adds no value and is meaningless than just a waste of your time and energy in life. Good work is comfortable and familiar. It's important and it has its place. It's the kind of comfortable rut at the edge of who you are. Now, great work has meaning and makes a difference. It's the type of work that you're most proud of and you might even want to brag a little bit. There's three parts to figuring out great work. 
The first is focus. You want to get clear on who you are and what matters to you. So look around at your life and think, where are opportunities to do great work? Can you take your now good work and move it to the next level in order to make it great? Do you see opportunities for great work in what you're currently doing? The second thing you want to get clear on is courage. It's your willingness to start and do great work. Once you sense that you may be able to do great work, take the first step and actually do it. Doing great work will create resistance in all those around you though, so expect it. The third step is resilience, and that's your willingness to keep up that great work when it gets hard. When you do great work, you're stepping into uncertainty, and there's going to be times that you'll feel awesome and you'll be in your flow, but there'll also be times that you'll doubt it all and want to give it up. Keep going, homie. Soul Sibling, thank you so much for rocking with us. I appreciate you, and I appreciate that you're using your time and your energy toward making yourself a better person and the world a better place. So if you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love it if you subscribe to the podcast, and I'm excited to deepen our relationship, to get to know each other better over time, and to see how I can help you solve meaningful challenges and create your most fulfilled life. We've got a great community over here, And we run retreats all over the world. We've got people who connect with each other and support each other and living the most fulfilled life. And what I'd suggest for your next step is to grab a copy of The 12 Things Happy People Do Differently. It's a scientific-based approach to happiness, and there's a lot of great wisdom out there, but this in particular is researched back from some of the world's leading positive psychologists in the world, and it's super grounded, super practical, how you could do these 12 things that happy people do differently and rock it. The article's been shared over 100,000 times on Facebook, and there's some magic in there. So in order to grab a copy of that, you can go to thankyoujacob.com. Sounds simple, and it is. Thankyoujacob.com, and uh, grab that immediately, and I will keep in touch through personal emails that I send out a couple times a month and all that goodness. So for now, sending you lots of love. Keep it real. Follow your heart, but bring your head. Peace.